0: This podcast is brought to you by JewishPodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at JewishPodcasts.org. 5780 Yisro, the father-in-law of Moshe took an Ola and Zvachim and he brought it to HaKadosh Baruch Then Aaron and all the Zikanim of Yisro came to eat bread together with the father-in-law of Moshe Rabbeinu in front of HaKadosh Baruchu. There are three separate aspects to this Pasuk that need to be worked on Three totally different aspects Number one, the first part of the Korbanos that Yisro is bringing Number two, the fact that Aaron and the Zikni Yisro came, but clearly not Moshe. And at the end, they came to eat with Yisro Lifnei So we're going to discuss all of them in certain ways. So first, the Ramban says we don't know when this happened. This is Machlokis Rashi Ramban, and it's really a Machlokis how to learn a muktum in Torah, there's no order to the Torah itself. The Ramban's opinion throughout the Chumash is that everything is in order unless you're told otherwise. Always assume that there's an order to the Torah. So Yisro came before Matan Torah unless you're told otherwise and it doesn't work out any other way. Rashi's opinion seems to be later on in the parasha, that Yisro came after Matan Torah and that Mimachoros is the day after Yom Kippur and that Yisro came on the day of Yom Kippur itself. It seems that that's the idea behind it, but we don't know exactly. Everybody agrees, though, that Yisro was Megair, and that Gerus happened with Mila, Tvila, and Hartzah. That there was Mila done, Tevila was done, Hartzah's dumim was done, meaning the sprinkle of the blood, and that happened to the Korbanos themselves. Whether there was a Kabbalist, O Shamayim, if it's before Matan Torah or after Matan Torah, that might depend, but those three, every but he agrees on. There's Machlokis, Zvachim, Kuktaz Zayim, and Aleph, whether you can bring a korban before Matan Torah itself. A korban shlamim, especially, can a non Jew bring a korban shlamim? But that's not for right now. There's a Moshe of Zakanim in a Torah to me that discusses that. The Rabbi will fine. and the Moshe of Zakanim both say that the word Ba'yikach, Ba'yikach Yisro, means Yisro bought two animals from Bnei Yisrael in order to bring these korbanos. He did not take animals himself because we don't see him bringing any animals. We have no idea if there were other animals around. We don't see him bringing an entourage of animals with him. And that, there's a Shiloh in the first place. So Vayikach means he bought them. Says the Panam Yafostaf law, how is Yisrael in the animals? I'm not going to go through the whole thing over here. But if you use Meshicha, Meshicha only works and w- it wouldn't work in a chutz or a shutvin. It would, wouldn't work in an area that belongs to other people along with you. It would work in a rishusa rabbin. Machne saw the status of, ma- of a of a, of a, day a, shudfin, a chutz or a shutvin. How is it possible for him to be in kona? If he brought the animals outside of the camp to do so, that, that would be strange. It would be strange they had to bring them out to be kona and then bring them back. Says the Panim Yafo Stafla, it must be that he did it. ole he did it for the sake of a korban ola. He did it for the sake of the zvachim, of that itself. And if a person does a mirasol le gavoah, you say you want to bring something, it's Kimisi si rasol ahead you. It's like you gave it over to somebody else. That could be considered a Kenyan. But that's a large pun of yafos. There's a lot more to that. We're going to stop with that part for right now. Rashi says, the ola means a korban that's entirely consumed by fire. The zvachim refers to a shlamim, a peace offering. The Ibn Ezra says, This is the first time he brought Korbanos to the real God. He had spent many years worshipping to other gods. This is the first time he finally found something that was real and therefore wanted to give two different types of Korbanos. One that showed how he had made peace with himself and with God and one that showed that he truly wanted to give everything of himself to a Baruch Hu. The Ola, obviously, to give everything to God. The Shlomim, obviously, to show that he had made peace with a Baruch Hu. And again, why these two Korbanos? The Tsroramor says it's interesting an Ola is brought to be machaper on here hurim raim, on bad thoughts. You want to atone for bad thoughts you might have. Says the Tzoramor, the Ola was because he, up until this point, he didn't realize God's power. He didn't know how special Akadosh Baruch Hu was. In order to show everybody that he knew this is how great God is, he brought a Korban Ola. The Shlomim was to make peace with his God. And that's the purpose. Lasso Shalom ben Yisrola Shabbat That the Shlom was made for that reason. First Paul, yeah. Korban Toda is a good question. It's likely he did, which is why he brought bread later on. You notice how he had bread, lechem, together with them? Lechol lechem in Moshe. If he brought a Korban Toda, then it was. It's a form of a shlomen together with bread, and that's what he brought. That's exactly what he would have brought according to that. Yes? It's a great question. Are you high of a if you are searching for a Kaddish Baruch? And I want to use that, Shlomo, just very quickly. It's likely he held, and this is Yisro Lishi if you remember the is about Gershom and Eliezer, that finding God on your own and then eventually getting there is not a sin. That's part of the par- par- process of finding God. Moshe Rabbeinu held, no, you should start off the other way, but his process was, no, 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 mess up and then do better. The chatos doesn't count because he was on his way to finding God. So Yisro Lishi would not bring a khatas. he felt he didn't do anything wrong yeah and even older, the it's possible that here hurim might count as something here might be different even now he might have your hurim so that might be a little bit different meaning bad thoughts might be a little bit different so even though Gershon and iskari kakot Shinola dummy there might be something to the Ola itself after all we tell regular garim to bring korban olas if they can that is the best thing to be able to do so that would be a smart thing to bring even though you're not worried about what happened in the past. Okay, but that's that itself. The Sforno says that this is a form of Kabbalah's O Malchus, Shemayim, accepting upon yourself the yoke of heaven. Listen, nowadays we say Shema. Shema Yisrael, Shemal Keno, and we accept upon ourselves the yoke of heaven, and that's what we do. At this time it seems that that's what they did back in the day. They made, they were Megayar themselves for that reason, similar to what Naaman did in Malachim Bey's Parakeh when he accepted upon himself to be a Toshav, He said the same thing. It's the same basic idea to be macabre of Hushmime, he wanted to bring a korban for that reason and therefore everyone came to the meal afterward which we'll talk about in a second which was his gairus meal he made a meal celebrating the fact that he was a gair and that he had just joined etc and done everything like that as a side note i don't know if a gairus meal actually exists i've been with gerum for quite a while i've done gairus before I shouldn't say quite a while, but I've done gerus before. I've never heard of a person making a meal because of the gerus. The mila we'll talk about. But the way that the Svorno says it, that it was a meal because he became a ger, that I've never heard before. But that's how the Swarno says it. They did it for that reason. And the Torah on the Mechabalul will say, Ola uzvachim leilokim, or it's Rashi Tevis ol, because he took on that ol malchus The Ramban says the same. Listen to this wording. He calls it Yom Chasunaso is the day of his wedding. This is Yisro's <coughs> wedding. Why? Chasan damim lamulos. When we talk about brismila there's that concept of you're a chasan damim. This chasan, this husband of blood. That idea that Siporah had said to Moshe Rabbeinu in Shmos and Paragimel, that idea of Chasen and he calls it Yom Chasunaso, and therefore he had to make a meal for it. The Tzepes Bracha from the Shulchan Aruch in Yoradea, Bays says this is the wording No lasso Lasosud of They have a Minug to make a, a meal on the day of the Brismila itself. That sounds like it's only a Minug says the, the, the way the Tosavosh Braqa says, it's not a halacha to make a meal. It sounds like it's a minog to do so. It seems that the source for this halacha is from the Torah over here. If not from here, being from the bris milah on the eighth day, etc. But it seems like that comes from right over here. Rashi says in Tazriah, it's done to so the husband and wife have the ability to be Meach when everybody else is there. And that's why we have the bris meal on the eighth day to be able to be there. It seems like there's something behind it. Like there is a Dil Rice aspect about having a meal on the day, of the bris meal itself, but it's not proven anywhere. And therefore, because of that, you get into that problem. Everybody knows you don't invite people to a bris, right? Because if you invite somebody to a Sudes Mitzvah, he has to go to that Sudhas Mitzvah. That seems to be the way people do it. So instead, you inform them that the bris is that day. You inform them. I am informing you that the bris is that day. But if you invite them to come, how could you say no to a Sudes Mitzvah? It seems that that might be dependent on this. Is it a del risa to have a meal on the day of the bris? Or is it just a minug? If it's just a minug, then you can invite someone to come to a meal that's a minug. But if it's a mitzvah, which is not... Not indicated by the Shulchan but if it's a mitzvah like the Tosafist Bracha seems to say from over here, then you got a problem. You cannot invite them to that. That would be a little bit of an issue. I'm not sure if that's what we really do, and I didn't look it up enough to be able to see. But at least know that that's the machlokus is kind of what we do. So then, what about meals on shavis? So technically, you can have a meal on your own on Shabbos without going there. You can't make a meal for a bris mila without the bris mila being there. So you get what I'm saying? Like, if a person invites you for a Shabbos meal and you want to have your own Shabbos meal, you don't have to go, but you do have to go if you wouldn't have anything else. I think that's the difference between this and the bris. Yeah. Yeah, it would still be a Sudas mitzvah. Does that make it into an inion that you have to? If you're invited, you got to go. I don't know. I, I'm not sure if that's the same inion. that you. For an actual tzudus mitzvah, I find it weird because they, we pass that a tzudus mitzvah is there, you have it, even if you just, what's it called, even if you just have divrei Torah. It seems weird to me that that would be there, but it could be right. It could be that just having that minute would be enough. I would think that this would be based on that machlokus. but again, I didn't look it up. There's a kliyakr, this is throughout the Torah. We never find a single korban being brought Kim to elokim. In vayikra, it's always yudke vavke, no mention of elokim. Throughout. And they say the wording is from the pasuk Zoveach Lelokim Yocharam. You shacht to Elokim, it should be destroyed. Bilti la Hashem Levado. Only to Hashem Yudke and that's it. Meaning Korbanos are brought for the shame of rachamim As we all know, guys, Yudke is the name of rachamim not elokim, elokim is Midas Adin. You don't bring Korbanos to Midas Adin. You bring Korbanos to be Marachim upon yourself, to get rachamim upon yourself. Therefore you should be done with Yudke Vavke. Haqsabakabala. Ask this question as well as the Kleoker. Say, Yisro, what about Yisro? Ola uzvachim kim. How could he bring a Korban to Elohim? We just said that you can't bring it. It can't be done to Elohim. Nowhere in the entire Torah does it mention that it's done to Elohim. And over here we have Yisro doing it. That's number one. The Ksavah Kabbalah asks even stronger. If we're worried, the reason why we don't want to say Elohim is because we don't know what you're referring to. Elohim can technically be any of the little gods that somebody can be referring to. Elohim is not a specific name for Hashem. We use Elohim for judges. We use Elohim for other idols. Elohim does not necessarily mean Hashem. So for sure you'd have that problem by Yisro. How could they allow Yisro to bring a korban to Elohim if this is a guy who just joined Klau Yisro? If anything, for sure by him, you'd have to say you'd keep up. I would think this is the number one person you'd have to do it. That's the Kliakr and the Ksavah Kabbalah's questions. The Ksavah Kabbalah doesn't answer it. He says it's a great kasha. He doesn't answer it. But the Ksavah Kabbalah says an awesome answer. He says, "We all know Sadiqim have that ability to turn midas adin into midas arachamim. Rishonim have the ability to turn midas arachamim into midas adin." Paro turned Yudke Vavke into a shame of Midas Adin. The Rachamim that Hashem wanted to show him because he kept saying no and no and no and punishing the Jews and doing horrible things to the Jews turned into Midas Adin by him. And so too, Moshe Rabbeinu was able to turn the Midas Elohim because the Jews weren't the greatest of people, but he was able to turn into Rachamim and do that. Therefore, when Yisrael heard everything that was happening, hearing about how the Egyptians caused Avaya to give them Yudke Vavke, to give them Makos and destruction, he brought his Korbanos. Al kol the good that the Jews got, that even though they deserved me to sit in, they deserved me to say Elohim, they turned Elohim into Rachamim. That's why he shechted to Elohim. They turned the Elohim into Rachamim. He wanted to show how this Elohim turned into Rachamim. So by normal situations, you don't need that because we know why we're bringing Korbanos. If you bring a Korban, you're already a tzaddik. You already turned Elohim into Rachamim. But Yesu is bringing a Korban for the past. al kolatova. It's the fact that Elohim turned into Rachamim over there. That's the Kliakr's opinion. The Tzor Mor says the exact opposite. He thanked Hashem for allowing She-Melo Kim to be on the Egyptians. The Midas had didn't punish them. They deserved that punishment. And who knew that better than Yisro? Yisro was the advisor to Paro. Yisro sat in on those meetings. When they were sitting around discussing what they're going to do with the Jews, and Yisro's like, this is not a good idea, and had to run away because of it. That's the Yisra who said, let's bring a korban to Elohim. And therefore, midah of Elohim is really Midas Adin. And he's bringing this korban because of that. It argues that the idea of al kolatova that he brought it for that. But that's the idea that the Torah more says over here. The Pharaoh says a person cannot bring a korban to Elohim because that's the normal name of Midas Adin. It would cause strict judgment to come down upon you. You bring a korban to Elohim, you better really mean it and you better deserve it. If you don't, you're punished. Because, how dare you s- assume that you can bring a Corbin to Elohim if you don't absolutely deserve it? So, as soon as you do it, you bring a Corbin to Elohim, God comes down, judges you, says, Does this guy deserve it or not? And He's going to look at you and see exactly that. Says the Tver's son, maybe that's why Yisro is different. Yisro is a gare. He's Kikot and Shinola dummy, as you mentioned before, Shinola, That idea of he's like a trial child. He doesn't have to worry about strict judgment, he was like a baby. That was his Milo. That he could bring a Korban to Elohim and it wouldn't be a problem. He didn't worry about Midas Adin because he had no Averos. There was nothing on him. And because he had no Averos that he didn't even be a hopper for, therefore he could shech to Elohim unlike every other person ever. We always have to worry about yudkevavke Vavke, because we have Midas Adin upon us. Says to Barat and not Yisro. He was a gear Kavchus and Yeah? So by referring to these different aspects of God... As it yeah. that sort of, um, it sort of negates the oneness of Hashem. Like, What does that mean, this Hashem, I, I'm not like, getting, getting that into that. that. We know that those Shemos stand for that, yes, but we all know that yes. Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. So I'm not going to get into whatever yeah, it is. Say, but when you bring a Korban, right? Like, yeah. Correct. Like, but the, it? I don't really the, the concept really is what is a Korban? Wow. Is a Korban being brought yes. to thank Hakkar Hu for the good? or is it to be machaper for those things that have gone wrong? So we're to for that. so you get, that's the idea so the way that we bring it in, in Vayikor seems to be that we only bring korbanos for Yudke vavkei meaning we only do it for the good we try to ignore the bad meaning I'm better now I'm no longer that person I'm no longer there so even a achatas is brought to Yudke Vavke for that reason we are not separating the two aspects of a Baruch Hu we're bringing the korban for one reason and not the other that's the concept behind it me, yeah The thoughts, yeah. I think the thoughts might be right now. They could apply even right now. A Korban Ola is good for anyone to bring right now. So yes, I said before that the Ola. It could be that Sefer and is arguing on it, on that idea from before. Or it could be that he's still at a thought right now. And the thought you're not chayav for, but still you want to bring an Ola to cleanse yourself completely from it. So I don't think it's that much of a seer. I think I can answer with either one of those. Okay, let's skip a little bit. There's an Itziv. The Itziv has such a beautiful answer and tries to combine things together. Why do you still bring an Ola and a shlamim? He said, both Korbanos can be brought and donated as a form of a kapara. An ola, he says like this, beautiful. An ola is to achieve das elokim. Now think about that for a second. You bring an ola to connect to God. and ola goes straight up to God. Everything is burned. Everything goes to him. It's according to your abilities for you to have a connection to God so much that it's ke'ilu, you're one. Okay, that's the idea behind it. You're mechafer for anyone missing a mitzvah saseh. When I... For, if a person forgets to put on tefillin in the morning, right? He lost an opportunity to connect to a Baruch Hu. If a person didn't daven or say kriyashma, right? He lost an opportunity to connect to a Baruch Hu. Therefore, he needs something, a kapara, to forgive himself for not connecting, for not going back up to that thing, to say to a Baruch Hu, I feel bad about what I didn't do correctly, about what I didn't say in the right way. Therefore, you bring a korbanola to make that connection, to make it... Seem right. That's the first one. That's the way that the Nitzv says it. Why a Shlomen? Well, a as we said, is a peace offering. It's a form of a kapara for missing out on an act of Chesed. When there's an act of Chesed that could be done, an act of kindness that a person could do, and you didn't do it, well, that's when we say, I'm going to bring a Shlomen. I missed out on Chesed. I now want to make shl- Shalom between people and the other. Yisrael had to mind something a little bit different. Yisrael was a judge in his land. He wanted to be a proper judge. It's not a coincidence that he made Parshas the Dayanim in the Torah. He knew what it was like to be a Dayan and he wanted to explain to Moshe Rabbeinu why this is a better system than what Moshe Rabbeinu had in place already. What he was saying is something simple. He was asking that the Ola achieves Das Elohim so that I can judge cases knowing the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants me to judge them. Sure, you can mess up, because sometimes the Edom are not exactly what you think they're saying. They're not saying exactly the same thing. Sometimes there are mess-ups in what people say. Maybe their Tainas are not being said correctly. Not always is on their game when they come to court. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu, give me Das alokim. That's what the Ola was, to connect, to be able to understand people a little bit better. And the Shlomin, the Shlomin, is to be able to make peace with one another after the din is finished. When the din is finished, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, allow me to make peace between the bali dinin. Allow me to explain to the one who was, unfortunately in the wrong, the one who was guilty, and explain to him why he was wrong. And let him understand it, so that he knows next time that he shouldn't do this sort of thing. What he was asking is to be involved in that type of dinin. says the in a therefore he davened, and he brought this korban, le kim. What did we say a kim was? Midas ad din. For Dayanim, his whole tefillah was for his Dayanis to be good, for his Midas Adin, his own Midas Adin to be good. Therefore, he brought a Korban for Midas Adin. That's a great answer for the Nitziv. really an unbelievable answer. Okay, let's go to a different subject. What were they eating? Were they eating bread or man? It says lechem, but is lechem referring to the man or were they eating actual bread? What exactly was it that they were eating? So the Ibn Ezra says, simply put, the zvachim were shlomim. It was shlam. it was meat. So they were eating shawarma, they were eating meat sandwiches. They had bread that they made as pitas, right, or shawarma, whatever, they, lafas. They made that. They had the meat from the shlemen, and everybody got together to have massive shawarmas, and that's what they were eating all around, which is what the Korbanos ate in the basement. makers. They all ate shawarmas because that's what it was. The bread was this matzo-like tiny, you know, little thing that they made that was really thin, and they put the meat inside there, and they put whatever else they had, and that was it. So they had shawarmas. That's the Ibn Azir. Rav and Tami Taimid Akra says he didn't think they would be able to eat the meat. He didn't know what the laws were by the Jews. He thought that nobody else is going to be able to eat the meat except for him. He's the one getting the kapari. He thought maybe he was going to be able to eat. He wasn't sure. He invited them to have bread so there would be a zimun. So he'd have a concept of eating together with the other people, right? It said, he says, it could be that Aaron came to eat the portions designated for the quantum, the Chos of Ashok. So he had certain parts and certain parts of the meat, and then they gave out meat to other people, and they had bread together. But both of them are going that there's actual bread. The Meshachach says, Paul, like you said before, it was a Korban Todah. Not only was there meat, there was bread that you have to bring with a Korban Todah. The Korban Todah has 40 loaves of bread, 30 matzah, 10 loaves of actual lechem of chametz. And he brought them together, and they did it right over there. But the Rabbeinu Ephraim and the Moshiach can't even explain why. They say Mun only fell for the Jews non-Jews could not take it. Now this is at odds with what we spoke about last week. Anybody remembers last week? I asked the question, why in the world did the non-Jews of the world not run by when they saw the Mun falling and take it for themselves? Why wouldn't they just go? The fields were filled with white coriander seed looking things. Why wouldn't they go and take those tiny little seeds, gather them together and eat the Mun? Why wouldn't they do it? And we answered it tasted bitter to them. They didn't have the good taste of the Mun. That's why they didn't do it. Even though the Gemara says that the deer ate it and that from the rivers. There were rivers made with melted mun and they ate it and the deer tasted like mun, etc. Apparently, that was only for Klau Yisrael, not for non-Jews. This seems to say the way that the Rabbeinu were frying the Moshe's kind say both of them already shown him the mun fell for the Jews. Yisro couldn't eat it. Maybe it still goes with that. Maybe it's because he could, but it tasted bitter, so he wouldn't eat it. So he brought bread with him, which he served to everyone. Apparently, he had enough to feed everyone. I have no idea how he would have brought enough bread to eat everyone. Maybe other people brought their mun and ate it with Yisro's bread. But the Rabbeinu Ephraim says it specifically. He brought enough bread for everyone because he was super rich. He had way more than enough to be able to go through. And additionally, it made sense. Listen to this Rabbeinu Ephraim and the Moshe Zekaneh. They had a taiva for bread. They hadn't had it in over 50, maybe 150 days, right, since they were in Mitzrayim. It's been a long time since they had bread. So even though the mum tastes like anything they wanted, obviously once in a while treat is a treat. And once he brought bread, everybody said, we have to have some. And they ran over to eat some because they had the taiva that was right over there, even though it might have been spoiled or hardened by the time he brought it. I think it's what they call tack. Does anybody read those? Like, I think it's tack. Like, that's what the bread would have been like, this hardened bread that you would have eaten, whatever it was. Nonetheless, it wasn't mun. And the people out there, Taiva, says the Rebbeinu that's why they all flocked to go eat it. yeah. Did Yisro know that they had mun when he came? Did Yisro know about it? So there is an opinion in the Gemara that says that he knew about the mun. It, he knew about, first Rashi says, what did Yisro hear about, right? So, so it says he heard about Kriyas Yamsuf and Mohammes Amalek. In the Gemara, it says he also heard about Harsinai. Obviously, that depends on the Machlokis. Was he there before Harsini or after Harsini, right? But those are the three. Later on, it says Moshe Rabbi told him by Yesapir Lachos No, as Kol also, everything he told it over, says Rashi, he told him about the Mun. So he did know about the Mun by this time. Had he seen it yet, I don't know. But he would have known about something like the Mun. Moshe Rabbi would have told him about it already. So, yes, that possibly would have happened over there. But Reb brings a Medrash Tanchuma, a Medrash I'm sorry, Medrash Ayin chazdala, that says Yisro came in the middle of the day of Yom Kippur, And on that day, the mun fell at that moment. Yes, the first Yom Kippur was not a fast day. The first Yom Kippur that they had was not a fast day. They didn't know about Yom Kippur yet because Moshe Rabbeinu had gone up to Shemim. He came down the third time on Yom Kippur, so it was not a fast day. The mun came down for all of Qal for 600,000 men. And therefore, they weren't eating bread. They were eating mun. And that's what they were eating. It came down right in the middle of the day for them. They all grabbed the portion and went to go eat it with them. And that's that. Now, Kedusha Slevi says, he was Zocha to feed Moshe. Remember, he told his daughters, Kiran Lo, the Yochal Lechem, invite the guy over so he can eat bread with us. So when he invited him to go eat bread, he was Zocha to get bread, Mita Kenegamita. He invited him, he got bread back. Yeah, so strange because Yom Kippur would have been like Shabbos, right? So there would be no man on that day. According to this answer, according to this Medrash, this Medrash Tehillim, Yom Kippur was not Yom Kippur yet. It didn't become Yom Kippur until they were told about it, which was the next year. So nothing applied in Yom Kippur. It wouldn't have been a Yom Kippur, it wouldn't have been anything. But it does answer a simple question though. You guys get it, right? Who did know about Yom Kippur? Who's the only person who would have known about Yom Kippur? Moshe Rabbeinu. That's why he didn't eat with them. Isn't that a simple answer? like such a simple answer. He couldn't eat because he knew it was Yom Kippur, but they didn't. So he didn't eat with them. We'll get to that in a second. Reb Wolfson says in Yitakha, toward the end of the parsha of this week's parsha, something amazing. Yisro is a tikkun of Kayin. Kain. the Kayan. Kayan did five things wrong, according to the magic. And I skipped one, but five things wrong that Cain did to Heather. Number one, he tried taking away Hevel's triplet sister. If everybody remembers, Cain was born with one sister. Hevel was born with two sisters. It was triplet sisters, right? Cain felt, as the Bakor, he should have a double portion. He should have two wives, and Hevel would have one. Hevel claimed no. That was fight number one. He tried taking away the sister. He brought a terrible korban of flaxseed, a bad korban filled with flaxseed. That's number two. Number three he did not allow hevel to live in the world he chose for himself if everyone remembers the medrash Hevel and Cain split the world. Hevel took all the Metaltolin and Cain took all the land, and Cain said, "Fly up in the air, I don't want you on my land." He wouldn't allow Hevel to live in that land that he made for himself. Number 4, he claimed there was no din or dyan in the world. There's no judgment in the world. There's no judge in the world. He denied Hashkacha Pratis, God's providence in this world. And number 5, of course, he killed Hevel and then allowed the body to be there possibly burying him in the ground, but denied it to God denied it to Hashem, saying, I don't know what happened to my brother, right? Am I my brother's keeper? Right there, we have those five things. It's possible all of that was metakem now. Okay? Moshe Rabbeinu was given his daughter Tzipora. He gave his daughter Tzipora over to Moshe Rabenu. That was a tikkun for the second sister of Hevel that he had taken away from Hevel. It seems, according to the Medrash, that Kain was Yisro, and Hevel was Moshe. Moshe's name is Moshe Sheis Hevel. He was a Tikkun of both Sheis and Hevel and that he had that aspect to him. So Moshe Rabbeinu taking the second daughter, meaning Tzipora, was a Tikkun for Cain trying to take that away. That's number one. Number two, he brought an amazing korban. He invited everyone in Klau Yisrael to partake of it, including, obviously, Moshe Rabbeinu. And that was matak and the fact that he brought a horrible korban before. He brings an Ola and a shlamim right now and invites everyone to be with him, right? Obviously saying, I want you to live in my world. Be with me. Stay wherever I am. Number three, yeah. He finds that Kaddish Baruch, or number four, really. He finds that Kaddish Baruch realizes his power in the world and knows that there's a Din and a Dayan and suggests the Parsha of Dayanim to Moshe Rabbeinu. Well, that's amazing. He claimed there's no Din, there's no Dayan, there is no God and makes the Parsha of Dayanim for Moshe Rabbeinu itself. And the final one, I don't know if you want to connect this or not, but the bris Mila. Everybody knows that what happened to Kayan at the end of his life, he got an Os on his forehead. Some say that that was an actual letter branded on his forehead A Vov was put on Kayin's forehead to say that he was branded for life as somebody that would be known as a murderer. The Vov, sort of like the scarlet letter, right? It would sort of be like that. He got a Vov put in his forehead. That Vov may be metaking through the mila that he gave himself. Vov is the the letter that's used to refer to Yesod, the reference to the Brismila itself it's possible that's what he was doing that there was a tikkun that was done over there some of that is said straight out by revolts and some of it not but at least we understand now why these korbanos are so important why it was so important for him to invite everybody over and how this became a full tikkun for Kayin's Nishama. something happened in this over here okay Rashi we only have seven minutes left so we'll try to run through this Rashi asked where Moshe Rabbeinu went only Aaron and the elders sat down where was Moshe Rabbeinu so very quickly the Ibn Azra answers why would Moshe Rabbeinu be invited, why would Moshe Rabbeinu come? It was in his house. It took place in Moshe Rabbeinu's house. So of course he was there. He was hosting a party. You wouldn't say, "Bayavo, Moshe v'Aaron. You would just say, "Bayavo, Aaron is Yisrael. Where'd they come? To Moshe Rabbeinu. So it's not a kasha. Says the minister, I don't even understand what the kasha is. There's no kasha here. But Rashi asks the question and brings down a mechilta. And listen to this mechilta. Where does he come up with this, is the kasha? The mechilta says this. He says, where was Moshe? He stood up. He was Omedu meshamish He stood up and served them at the meal. Yisro saw Moshe Rabbeinu going out to get. You know, I'm sorry. Yisro, Klau Yisro saw Moshe Rabbeinu going out to get Yisro. Right? They followed him, and when they went to go eat, Aaron went. The Zakanim went. Everybody else went in. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, "Well, somebody's got to serve." So he was omaydu meshamish. So as a timeout, how in the world is it possible for Moshe Rabbeinu, who is a king of Klau Yisro, to be mocho on his covered. A king is not allowed to be mocho on his covered. How could a king be mocho on his covered and serve everybody else there? That's already a Shiloh, the Chavetzal, the brings that down, the party Yosef brings it down, everybody asks that kasha, but it's a strange kasha. Second of all, what kind of a pshat is this? Would you have said that? You're sitting there and you're wondering, where did Moshe Rabbeinu go? So we don't hold it. Forget about the Ibn Ezra. The Ibn Ezra says it's simple. Obviously, he was there. Let's go with Rashi. He was only a That's your answer? I don't know. Maybe he went to go judge the people, which he was going to do the next day. Maybe he went to go talk to his wife and kids, who just came. Maybe Moshe Rabbeinu ate quickly and left. Maybe Moshe Rabbeinu was the host of the party. Where does Rashi see a Hechruh? A need in the pusik to say he must have been Omed Umeshamish. He couldn't have been sitting there and eating. How is that possible over there? Targum Yonason ben Uziel says the same thing. Hava koi, um, kadamehon. He was standing and serving in front of them. Parish Yonason says, in Moshe, with Moshe, is Omed Umeshamish. Omed Umeshamish. Hosein Moshe is the Galatra of 809, the same as Omed Umeshamish. you got to add on the two words plus one. Either way, but the idea is, is that he was standing there, but it's such a strange shot. There is a Rav Yonis and Eibshitz here. Rav Yonis and Eibshitz says in Tiferous and an answer, but the Rashmi Bells once had a story. This is the original Rebbe of Bells, the Sarmi Bells. He was hosting Reb Shimon of Yaroslav, Roshon of Kaminka, and other Gdolim and said more to himself than anyone else while he's sitting at the Suda together with them. He said, why am I sitting here? A couple of minutes later, everybody understood what he said. He said, why am I sitting here? Nobody answered him. He was silent. Nobody was answering. Not too many people understood what he was saying. Rav Shimon of of Kaminka, he knew what he was saying. And he said to him, you're right. Avraham was the host. He served his mawachim. Moshe was the host. He served Yisro and all the people that came in. Why is it that we have such a minog? In Kedush, in Lamed Bez and Mabez, Rabban Gamliel got up and served at his own kid's wedding. When was the last time you went to a wedding and you saw the father of the chassan and the kawa serving everybody there? Why did this not become a minigin klausrol? Why is it that gedolim, even gedolim, don't get up if they're hosting people and serve the meal themselves? Why is it? So Rav Kaminka got it and he said to the Belzer Rebbe, "New Rebbe, why the Belzer Rebbe was clearly sitting down? He's eating with them. What's pshat?" The Belzer Rebbe says he's not sure. He's not sure. He said, it's possible Moshe didn't eat with them because it was Yom Kippur. As we just said. Maybe because it was Yom Kippur. But then he said, possibly, the reason why he stood there and served them was out of his father's honor. And he said the following. If the tzaddik is eating with them and eating at their meal, right? He's eating together with them. Then ain't a khanami. He wouldn't have to serve. He's putter from serving. Because he has a chiyav to eat with great tzaddikim. Look at these holy tzaddikim that are sitting with you. You have great people sitting at your table. Don't get up and serve them. Eat with them. Anybody whose nena benefits from a pseudo with their great tzaddikim sitting down, it's kiilu your are with the shechina, Kiilu you're eating with the shechina. So how could you dare get up and go, no, eat with the shechina, be together with the shechina. That's a possibility that that's the answer to the kasha. Maybe that's what you're supposed to do. But the Belzer Rebbe says, but if you're not going to eat, if the person's just going to sit there, then it's better to serve. And maybe that's the Minigin Klai Since Rabbi Gamliel said, I can't eat, so serve. You might as well serve. Be involved in some way in the meal if you're not going to eat at that meal for whatever reason. But if you're going to eat, then you don't. Says the Belzer Rebbe, maybe that's the reason why. It's an amazing thought. And I really want to think about this for a second. Does that make sense to you? Does that make sense that that's what you would do in such a meal? Because it's a kasha. Moshe rabbinu did it. Avraminu did it. And we see in the Torah two cases of gidolim serving at their own meals. Serving. And that's what Chazal are trying to say from it. What are we supposed to do in that case? And we do have gemaras where they served at the wedding. Could it be anything else? Before I get to your questions, just because I want to finish this up, The Tosefis bracha says he once saw on a Sephardi safer, he forgot which one, that there's a minute kasher The night before a judge judges capital punishments not to eat meat you're not supposed to have any meat or a big meal the night before why a big meal can cause your mind to be a little bit out of place so if you have a huge meal before you go and judge something properly judge something that's a capital punishment you may not be able to think straight says the tolcephus bracha rebarah epstein it's possible that's why most didn't eat at this meal what was happening the next day the very next day, Moshe was judging cases. He didn't know if there was going to be a capital case or not. He had no idea if there was any case that he had to do where somebody would have to be killed. And for that reason, he did not eat the meat during that one time. Hardis Yosef says there was once a guddle who tried to leave a wedding meal because it was late. It was late at night. And they asked him to stay a little bit longer. He said, I, you know, I'd like to stay a little bit longer. They said to him, please, Rebbe, stay a little bit longer. He answered, even though Yistro had a legitimate reason to make a suda, And everyone was there celebrating with him. Moshe was not. You know why Moshe bin wasn't? Because he knew he would have to judge cases the next day and he needed clear he needed clarity. He needed his mind to be clear. He needed to be able to do it properly. So therefore he left the meal and was either omidomashanish or left early so that he would get a good sleep so that he would be there for the people the next day. He said, That's pshat behind me as well. He said the reason why I'm leaving this wedding is even though you're asking me to stay right? Even though he asked me to stay, I feel that in order to learn properly the next day, I need clarity. I'm allowed to leave. I'm going. I've held this way for a while when it comes to what the Mishnah Brewer says. Quite often you have a problem at a wedding. Do you stay for benching or not? Now, if you don't stay for benching, how could you get around the fact that they're benching with a minion? They're benching with a minion. You can't get out of that. And to bench with a minion before they're going to bench publicly? Come on. The, you know, the cousin and call are going to look at it. The father is going to say, what are you doing? You're making a minion, you know, and you're leaving early. But on the other end, these weddings are five hours long, six hours long. Would I have to stay for that? So the answer is no. Have in mind when you wash that you're going to bench early. And if you do that, you're allowed to do it. What if you forget? What if you washed, you didn't think that way, but the wedding is going on and on and on and on. And you don't know what to do. Now you want to leave, but you didn't have in mind. Do you really have to stay for the minion at the end? The answer is, says the Mishabura, you don't have to. If you have something that you need to do the next day, and your mind's not going to be clear if you stay up any later. If you stay up later, you're not going to have a clear mind. You're not going to be able to do what you need to do. You're teaching. You're working. You're doing whatever. You're not going to be able to take care of your kids properly. And that's the reason why you want to leave. You're allowed to bench without the minion. You don't even need a Mizumini, he says, but... If you can get him his own, I guess it's okay. Right? But you're allowed to bench and there's no problem because that's a heter to be able to leave. And I think that that idea is learned from over here as well. That Moshe bin wasn't there. Where was he? The way they were understanding from the parties Yosef is just this he left because he knew he had to. He couldn't stay any longer. He couldn't do this any longer. She said, I can't stay. I've got to go. And he was able to get up and go. There's a couple other things that are over here. The Rashi that talks about that. No, there's a Gurari over there. A Rabin of that's amazing. A Chsam Sofer and Likutan that's absolutely beautiful. But it's not for right now. We're going to stop right over here. Just going to tell everybody there's a minag in Tunisia and Algeria. It's mentioned the Torah That on Thursday of Parshis Yisro, they make a Suda called Sudas Yisro. The story behind it might be sketchy, but it could be because of the Suda that he made because of the bris mila itself. I don't know if anybody had their Sudas Yisro earlier today, but if you did, amazing. I'm not from Tunisia or Algeria, but it's amazing. Have a good Shabbos, everybody. We'll stop with that.